This is Darrell Lalia, and you're listening to episode 205. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobsher, the cash flow ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. But whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast. And now your host, DeRay Olalaye. What is going on, good people? Welcome back to a brand new installment of the Before the Millions podcast. I'm your host, DeRay Olalaye, and I'm excited. I gotta admit it, I'm excited. I missed you guys. I don't know, I don't know. 22 has a certain, how do you say, uh, je ne sais quoi? I mean, we're one month in, but I feel like it's full steam ahead over here at the Before the Millions headquarters. And, you know, what's funny is most people, right? We always like to talk about most people on the show because we're not like most people, but most people, and when I say most people, I mean like upwards of 75% of people have already, by February 1st, given up on their New Year's resolution. Yikes. In fact, most people would have already given up on their New Year's resolutions by January 19th. And not on purpose, really, but life happens. But think about it, though. There are millions, literally millions of people who stay steadfast, who keep it going, who make it past February 1st, who knock out the goals on their vision board, on their to-do list who literally will this year create a way better life for themselves and their family. There's millions of people that'll do that. So let's focus on being one of those people. You know, over the past few days, I've been hosting some live training, some really, really powerful trainings, guys. And and if you haven't attended any of my live trainings, you are missing out. BeforeTheMillions.com forward slash train. T-R-A-I-N. BeforeTheMillions.com forward slash train. My trainings are $97, $97. I've never had a product that has been $97, right? Most of my coaching and programs are in the thousands of dollars. My training, it's a one-day, three-hour live training. It's 97 freaking dollars. And the cool part about this entire thing is I help you build out your real estate business and I show you behind the scenes of my business is that there's a completion challenge that's involved. And if you complete the training, And if you set up your business, I actually write you a check for the $97 back. Right? Because again, for me, it's not not about the $97. I just need you to have some skin in the game. If you're going to show up to a three-hour training, in efforts to change your life, in efforts to create your business, in efforts to take down more deals. I don't want time wasters or tire kickers. 
So we have that paywall there, but best believe I've put a challenge in place so that I make sure I give you that money back. All you have to do is do the work. So if you've been interested in real estate for the past few years or months or days, and you feel like you don't have enough money or you don't have the time or it's not the right time or you don't know what you're doing, come to the live training. I repeat, come to the live training. I will show you exactly what we do, exactly what you need to do to take your business to the next level. Again, that link is before the millions.com forward slash train. Now, I've went back just like <laughs> literally five minutes ago to kind of just listen and watch all of the past live trainings that I've done. Because when you go to before the millions.com forward slash train and you register for this training, you pay your $97, you'll immediately be given access to the last four trainings that I've done. The first three are about an hour and a half long. And the last one that I just did is five hours long. You'll be given access to all four of those trainings. And these are already recorded, already in the portal as soon as you pay that 97. But again, what you're really registering for is the live training coming up this Sunday. And depending on when you're listening to this podcast, it may be coming up this Sunday too. And we call this training part five because this is the big shebang. This is where we put all the trainings together that I've done. And we show you how to build out your full-fledged real estate business. We show you how to create cash flow without landlording. We show you how to analyze deals. We show you how to market to motivated sellers. We show you how to close these deals with zero dollars. People are always asking me, Dre, do you really buy property with none of your own money? And yes, I do. And I'm going to show you exactly how you can do the exact same thing. So if you've wondered how the inner workings of a real estate business works from where we find these motivated seller leads to how we house these leads and market to these leads to what we say to them, to how we drop our offers, to the negotiating tactics that we use, to the contract, to the due diligence, to checking on the property, to valuing the property, right? To looking at our exit strategies. We'll show you real deal case studies. We'll have a Q&A at the end. I'll give you access to live seller calls. You'll get a $200 voucher off of my staple course. You guys know what's coming out here in the next few months. The Motivated Seller Method. And all of this for free if you do the work. And I've sold, literally, guys, like this is not hyperbole. I've sold each of these products individually, including the trainings that you're getting for free. Right. Once you pay your $97, the trainings that already be in there, I've sold those individual trainings for $97 themselves. You're getting all four of them and then you're going to attend our live training coming up this Sunday as the fifth and final installment to build out your business. So that you can start creating that cash flow so that you can start getting those large 10 and 20 and 30 K assignment checks at the same exact time. That link one last time is before the forward slash train. 2022 come get trained up on another note did i mention that we have an amazing guest for today's podcast episode i don't think i mentioned that yet so on this episode we're actually featuring a guy who used to build bombs for a living and today is a full-fledged real estate investor and marketer so mr tyler austin today's guest was a member of the air force before he found his stint in real estate and after his first failed $10,000 marketing campaign for his first deal, he learned what to do and what not to do. And over the next two years, he broke himself out of debt and became financially free. 
So we're going to talk about that $10,000 that he wasted. And guys, really quick, back to my training. I show you how to run your real estate business for less than $500 a month so that you can avoid the types of mistakes that Tyler has done, the types of mistakes that I've done. There's no reason why you should have a failed $10,000 marketing mistake because Tyler is going to discuss his here on the show and we learn from others' mistakes. I think the very next deal right after that, he made $30,000 in profit and that's when Tyler knew it was time to quit his job. So we're actually gonna get into some technical details as far as the CRM, how to manage and get your leads. We're going to talk about the importance of list stacking. If you don't know what that is, you'll learn what that is here on this episode. We're going to talk about how to properly run your CRM, how to systematically account for your motivated seller leads, how to get the most profit out of your list, and so much more. So strap in and let's get to it. The raise tip of the week. Word to the wise. Plan it out the day before. So I kind of been talking about goal setting, staying on track, making sure that this is your best year yet, you know, in all areas of life. Right. And the reason why I talk about planning things out at least the day before. All right. We're not talking about, you know, a 90 day journal, which is what I use or a vision board, which is what I'm doing for the first time this year. But we're talking about just simply planning your next day out the night before planning out what you're going to do, planning out what you're going to knock off your checklist, planning out what you're going to eat. This is one thing that I can literally attribute directly to success. Let's use weight loss for an example, or you can replace that with, you know, muscle building or maintaining, right? I know for me personally, if I wait until I'm hungry, Knowing that I'm following some strict plan or I'm following a diet or whatever the case may be, if I wait until I'm hungry, all I'm thinking about is the sugar foods. All I'm thinking about is Chick-fil-A. How fast can I get there? What can I get that's really quick and easy, right? I'm just thinking about the the thing that gets that's going to make me the happiest and what can get me there the fastest. And oftentimes when you're making decisions from that point of view, right, from that standpoint, you're not using your prefrontal cortex, right? You're not using your rational brain. You're using your irrational brain. So you're not making as great of decisions. But if you know the day before what the plan is, right? You've planned out exactly what you're going to eat the next day. Right? You've planned, you maybe even meal prepped, right? That's taking it the next step, but maybe you don't meal prep. But you've at least thought about and sat down, hey, for breakfast, I'm going to eat this from this place. I'm going to eat this and I'm going to make this to make sure that I stay within whatever prescribed diet that you have for yourself, you're much more likely to do those things when the time comes because you've already planned for it before. Same thing with your business goals. You know, as entrepreneurs, it's easy to wake up with a clean slate and not really have a direction or be able to go in a hundred different directions because you got a hundred different things that you could possibly do in the business. And then by the end of that day, because you didn't really plan out that day, you've done a whole bunch of work feels like you've gotten a whole bunch accomplished, but when you look at your actual goal for the week or for the year, you're doing frivolous tasks that have nothing to do with it. You've completely wasted time. So one thing that helps when planning things out is simply just writing it down. So if you could write out the plan for your day, the day before, if you can write out your eating goal for the next day, if you can write out or know what your workout routine is going to be the next day, you don't think about your workout routine on the spot when you get to the gym, like, oh, this machine looks cool. 
We don't think about that morning. Hey, what time should I go to the gym today? Because you may not actually go. You may let everything else get in front as importance of your gym date. So the day before, we want to plan out our schedule. We want to plan out what our goals are and what what are the activities that need to be done to get to our goals. And it might sound like a minor task, but it shows up wonders for you the next day. I like to call this emotional clarity because our emotions are much more powerful than we think. This may sound a little weird, but one thing that I've noticed is that when I go to sleep with the with the mindset that I'm going to get some good sleep, with the mindset that I'm going to get enough adequate hours to be healthy and well-rested and to be energized for the next day, then I wake up with that same exact mindset. It's like it transfers over. It's like it was like, okay, this is the last thing you thought about, DeRay, so this is what you're going to wake up with. But if I wake, but if I go to sleep with the mindset of, man, I don't know, am I going to get enough hours tonight? Am I going to be groggy tomorrow? I could tell tomorrow's going to be a bad day. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm barely getting any sleep. Even if that is your reality, even if you're getting less hours than you normally get, going to sleep with that mindset You wake up with that grogginess. You wake up with that tired feeling. You're confirming the emotions that you wanted to feel as you went to bed the night before. You know, and the reason this is a tip of the week, you know, I was just talking on a training and telling the individuals in the training, I can teach you everything that you need to know as far as the technical aspect of buying and selling real estate. Like we can show you all the formulas. We can give you all the contracts can show you how to make offers how to talk to sellers how to negotiate like all of that is simple you can google that stuff it's actually free in a lot of places right but oftentimes the technical things aren't the actual issue all right our biggest challenge to overcome are our thoughts and emotions so it's a consistent battle to want to and try to master those things so this is just yet another exercise another tool in your toolbox to make sure that you're evolving, to make sure that you're putting your best foot forward. Planning goes a long way, but writing down those plans reinforces that belief. So again, whatever it is, whatever your efforts are for the next day, jot it down, put it on a piece of paper, make it visceral, make it real. That way the very next day, you're not wasting a whole bunch of time and a whole bunch of energy thinking about, man, what am I going to eat today? And you're not waiting until you're hungry to actually find food because that's the worst time to figure out what you're going to eat, right? The worst time. Let your prefrontal cortex do all the thinking for you so that the crock brain doesn't lead you to any bad decisions. And now your feature presentation. My entrepreneurial journey technically started when I was, I was like eight years old. I know everyone has like some sort of story, but I used to go door to door and collect anybody's cans for 25 cents. So like I get a couple of dollars so I can buy a candy bar. It wasn't really the best thing. Obviously it wasn't the thing that made me rich. And so, so that was like my very first taste of, of entrepreneurship in general it was like, kind of like, Oh cool. I can do a service and I can get paid for it. Fast forward 10 years, right? I enlisted into um, the Air Force and did that, went stationed in Alaska, stationed in North Dakota, and I am getting out of the Air Force in North Dakota. And that's where I kind of had a pretty big realization because right after I got out, my wife turned out she was pregnant, right? 
So I'm standing there, I'm, I'm in a microbiology class. I'm, I'm taking organic chemistry because I was going pre-med and um, I had everything else done except for all of my science courses, right? So I was like swamped and then my baby was born and I became even more swamped. I called my dad, I was like, dude, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like, I'm not making no money. I'm, I'm just getting paid BAH to go to school. The baby is here. And I broke down the first time my dad had ever heard me cry. And, and I kind of just lost it, man. I went into a spiral. I dropped out of college and I was like, okay, I got to figure out how to make this work. So I looked into real estate, right? Started doing some driving for dollars type stuff. And really all I was trying to do is get out of my house, trying to find a duplex and live in one side, do the whole house hacking thing, discovered bigger pockets and so on and so forth. Right. I ended up buying a new house instead. Uh, that house ended up flooding and it was just hectic. I ended up breaking even in three years later and selling it. Fast forward a little bit more there uh, when real estate really started becoming a big thing. I ended up getting a job with the government hacking cybersecurity engineer. I did stuff like SCADA hacking, planes, cars, and base defense systems, stuff like that. That ended up being a 50% travel job. My daughter's two years old roughly at the time now. And I realized like that whole time I've only seen her for half of her life. And so I started frustrating me because I realized that my tempo is only getting faster and faster as things happen in the government and stuff. It, it wasn't slowing down. I was leaving more and more and more. So um, I was like, how can I do something to maybe be able to leave this job and maybe find something else that I can do, or I'm not traveling as much, but I only have two skill sets. I can hack stuff and, and I can build bombs because that's what I did in the air force. Right? So I wasn't really have the biggest of options in my plate. So, so I, I Googled again. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I was trying to do this real estate thing. I'm here now. I can probably do a little bit more of that try, but I'm traveling so much. And so I found wholesaling and that's ultimately what ended up making me realize, okay, maybe I can maybe get a couple of these deals a year, get some consistency. Then I started seeing all the posts, you know, wholesaling is illegal. You're not able to wholesale. It's not right. And then I heard a bigger pockets episode with Ariane and Chris Lemire, who are local in my market here and, and realized that holy crap, if they're doing it in my market, it must be legit. Turned out they had a local meetup. So I went to their local meetup, got connected with some other investors locally. And I spent $10,000 in direct mail and got absolutely nothing. And so that's how it kind of like went from, you know, eight years old until I was at that time, I think it was 23 or 24 when I first heard about it and just started and actually made the decision like, okay, I'm going to start trying to do real estate while I'm in my W2. At the time when I first got out, I was only making like 27,000 a year as a GS3 and I'm working myself up over that three-year period to a GS12, which is maybe around like 80,000 a year, but I had $60,000 in debt. So I was always, I was still broke, right? I never made more money during that time. It wasn't until I did the direct, I failed. I learned from my stuff, which is kind of where REISIF ends up coming in and ended up making $250,000 in that first quarter of fixing some stuff up and paid off all my debts. And then that's really where my compound kind of growth started happening. And when I left my job and stuff like that. So that's kind of like a whole fast forwarding throughout that. But I love that. It's my job to kind of peel back the onion and, and kind of yeah. take us through that. So let's, let's start with this $10,000 direct mail failed campaign. I mean, what in the world happened? I mean, talk to me. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I was reading everywhere. I was like, okay, how do you do this? Cold calling and SMS and everything that's popular now you know, throughout 2020 is not really, wasn't popular, you know, really four years ago. So all you see is direct mail. And all you really seen is like list source data, buy it, download it, direct mail it. Like that's, that's what it was. So that's what I did. 
I bought all the absentee, you know, kind of uh, records that fit like, I think it was like 50 or 60% equity in my market. I pulled it down and I had $10,000 Amex card. I just opened Hilton honors. I'm actually, I'm getting in trouble later because that Hilton honors card was how I paid for my hotels when I was traveling for the government. And I didn't think about it when I did, I was just so gung ho. I maxed out that credit card in a direct mail campaign. And then in California, I left right afterwards to do an engagement. I remember this like so vividly because it, the hotels uh, between Buell Air Force Base and I forget what major city is there, LA or something like that, whatever Southern California is, it's like an hour and a half drive. And I couldn't bring my phone or do anything with me there. So I spent this $10,000 in direct mail. The next day I left for this engagement was going to be gone for, I think it was four weeks. And, and between the day that I, or the morning when I left to go to base and we, it was usually about 12, 14 hour shifts come back. I was like, I couldn't focus on anything. Right. Cause all I'm thinking about is like, I wonder if when I get back, I'm going to have voicemails right from my direct mail. The whole time I was gone, I didn't get one phone call. Not one. I was like, and all I can think about is like, did I put the wrong phone number on the postcards? Maybe I put the wrong <laughs> tracking number, which one of my VAs has done was a $5,000 loss. So that's a learning experience in itself. <laughs> but, but nevertheless, I get back home and I go to check the PO box I had set up to get return mail from. And this thing was smashed full. I mean, you couldn't fit anything else in it so much. So they had another yellow basket. I remember that they had the rest <laughs> of the mail in that was returned. And I was like, what in the world could have happened? Like, what did I do? This is, I did exactly what I was told. I was download it, put it in a CSV document, give it to the direct mail provider. And so the engineer in me started, you know, taking those pieces and I dumped all of it off in the floor of my office and I spread it all out. And I just started looking at it and I started realizing like some of them had just a first initial and a last name. Some of them didn't have any name. It was just, you know, information. Some of it had LLCs and it was just all dirty, right? No one said anywhere that you're supposed to like clean up the list after you buy it. And so that was my mistake was, was I didn't clean anything up. And three months later, I did end up getting a call back from it, which did end up being a deal. It was like $15,000 deal. There you go. Uh, but I ended up buying a house and doing all this other stuff I should never have done to make it happen. I bought a house to move the dude into, and then he almost backed out of the deal. And so I was like, no, I spent $40,000 on a house up here, which I, as you know, I didn't have any money for. <laughs> so uh, it was, it was crazy. It was hectic. But I learned a crap ton. Number one, clean your data. That's the most important thing. If you're going to save any money, if you're going to do any skip tracing, direct mail, you got to have a clean data set and data doesn't come clean organically. Number two, you know, don't spend everything you got all at once. Be consistent in what mm. you do. So yeah, that's that. All right. So you got to tell me when you talk about like lowest moments ever, like, I mean, how were you still super excited when you got back and you saw that you had just totally wasted 10,000? I mean, I don't know if you thought you wasted $10,000, but you, you ended up getting a deal done, but well, how are you? Were you still excited about the, the next $10,000 you were going to spend? Like, yeah, I mean, for me, it was because my thing is, is I know, like, just my personality has been like, there's no way that if somebody else, especially local in my own market is doing it, that I can't like, there's absolutely zero reasons why if mm -hmm. other people are having success, the only difference between me and them is the is maybe one sentence that they heard from something versus what I heard, they listened to a podcast that maybe I didn't listen to or whatever the scenario is. They read a blog post. It's possible. I just need to continue doing. I was willing to literally, I, in the back of my mind, I said, listen, I mean, like, I didn't pay for my bachelor's degree. The government did, but like, you know, it was like $700 a credit hour. Right. So I was like, okay, this is how much my degree cost. I don't even use that thing. So I'm willing to continue spending money all the way up into whatever that costs, even if I, I don't make anything in order to become 
successful because the thing I learned later on is that the only different real estate is one of the only industries, whether in a W2 or not, where you can spend money and get paid to learn how to make money. Mm -hmm. Like you can spend, you know, three or $400 on direct mail and you can make 15, 20, $30,000 to learn how to do it. And then you just repeat the process. So I was like, no, I'm, I mean, I, I got addicted. I got like super addicted. I have a really addictive personality. So I would go out and I would come back and I would stay up until four in the morning. I would, and then I'd go to work at six, literally like delving in. Now I did take, I said, I did say to myself, you know what, I'm not going to spend any more money until I understand. So I did some cold calling and some stuff like that in between, but I spent three months kind of building out a whole process. I built a whole Google site. I hired a VA. I, I mean, I went like, and I said, if I can't travel and this business still run, then it's not a business. So I set up all that foundation over 90 days, kicked it back online. And then that's next quarter. I did the 250. I love it. I love it. I love it. So let's first talk about this very first step of getting your list. I mean, there are a ton of list providers out there. I mean, I think might've mentioned list source, there's PropStream, there's MyPlus Leads. There's, I mean, there's just so many list providers out there and yeah. you get your list and you know, most people want to get their list, they attack their list, but you're saying that there's a step before really marketing to your list once you get your list and you call it cleaning your list. What does this entail? Yeah. So initially what it was for us is it was a ton of Google filtering, you know, it was a lot of filtering out, you know, selecting those records, finding all the LLCs, finding blank spaces. And what it broke down into was a, basically a Google sheet that was clean, incomplete trust companies, right? You get one list, you get an original file, and it breaks down into those four different sheets, clean data, incomplete data, trusts, and companies. We would then skip trace the clean data, get the results back, and that would create two more documents with phones and without phones. And then that creates another document, essentially, where it's skip trace once without phones and then skip trace twice without phone numbers. So what we did is we would cold call everything that was clean. While we were cold calling those, Anything that was skip traced twice without phone numbers, we'd start direct mailing because we know we're not going to get phone numbers. So that's the only way I'm going to reach them. And then any of the trusting companies, we would find the owners of the trust and the owners of the companies and make them clean so that we're skip tracing the owner. And then that would then be come into the cold calling campaign. It would then get skip traced twice, anything you don't get results from, just repeating that process. So we did that with like roughly, I think it was 2,500 records is what I had. That's all I paid for from list source at the time. And then a, a tax delinquent list that I used Google and I kind of merged the two together to try and find records that were tax delinquent that had high equity so that I knew I could close on them if they were delinquent. There was enough room for me to make money. I later found out that was called list stacking. And so I did that process. I did everything in Google Sheets, acquisitions, dispositions, marketing, did videos for everything, and then turned that online. And that's kind of what happened next. So list cleaning is essentially the idea of understanding the underlying data. You know, what is a record? Essentially, it's only an owner of a property. It's the address they have. It's wherever they receive mail and whatever their name is. How can I leverage that in the best way possible? If it's a company, companies don't own the house. It's a piece of paper that owns the house. The owner is the person that owns the company, right? So I want to find that person that owns the company. I want to find where they live. And that's who I'm skip tracing because you can't skip trace a piece of paper. I know there's a lot of providers out that say they skip trace owners and LLCs, but if I'm going to spend money on anything, I want to put myself in the highest position to where I'm going to get a result from it, not a 50% half-baked result. So 
Absolutely. And I love the concept of cleaning your list before you market to your list. And the way you broke it down, I was visualizing each kind of Excel as, as they were being made. I was like, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's pretty awesome. So you guys want to maybe go back and listen to what Tyler just said about how he cleans his list. And ultimately a clean record is just a record who has the owner's first and last name, right? Like you said, when you got that, you had that $10,000 yes. campaign, you had middle initials on one, you had a last name on the other. And what you realize is that you need to clean records that actually have the owner's information, correct? The owner's first and last name, the full mailing address and the full property address. If it's an LLC or a trust that it doesn't constitute as being clean. So I had built a Python script and then I built like a little web page because I got tired of teaching VAs how to like install Python and other like programming languages and run those scripts. Basically built a little website. It was just like a IP address. I gave my VA, they clicked on browse and then they added the document. They put the document in there. And then it would just download and create those for all those documents for them, which later then became REI SIF. Because now when you upload to REI SIF, it just does all that for you automatically. So we kind of just slowly iterated that process and through like automated in my own business, made it to where it was easy. But I do have a video for anybody on my YouTube channel. There's a video, how to clean list source data. And I break it down the whole thing that I just talked about. We'll link to that in the show notes for sure. Cause that sounds super, super valuable. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's kind of progress through your journey. So you hit 250 and a quarter and you're just like, what in the world just happened? What are some of the thoughts and ideas, before we even get to like the successful you, like what are some of the thoughts and ideas that just start bubbling in your mind during this quarter as like you're in it? Like, what are you thinking? I'm sure like, you know, your mind is going a thousand different ways, but what are some of those emotions? Well, I mean, going from like, crying on the phone with my dad, no, not really knowing what I wanted to do or how I was going to do it. I, I still don't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, right? I was always trying to do things in entrepreneurship. And I was always like spending money, spending money, spending money. My wife was like, you always spend this money every single month, but we're never ever making any money. So like spending money was basically a hobby for me. <laughs> Learning was basically a hobby for me. I never really did anything that actually took it into action. So when I started doing the real estate thing and everything started clicking, I was like, holy crap, like like I actually understand this and I'm actually making money doing it. Like this could be the thing, you know? And so I felt really good about that, but I also, it also opened something else up in me where now I felt as though I wasn't achieving my full potential there. So it, it's kind of like a give and take when you're like super hungry, you know, for success in that kind of way. But it's like, it was good, man. I mean, I paid off my debt. I, you know, paid off my wife's car and gave her her deed for her birthday you know, and it felt great, you know, and, but more than anything, what it really was is like, I'll never forget it. There's this, in fact, on Florida cash real estate on our website, that's our website. It's my company name for the real estate sign. There's a video of me with an elderly lady. It was the deal that made me the next day walk in and quit my job because we were going through this time in, in my job where it was like, I mean, I was a GS 12 already. We were doing a lot of really big programs. There was a lot, I mean, like $30 million projects going on that I would stand up and I would be like, Hey, I really don't think we should spend that money over here because like, we really need to be focusing over here. And even as a GS 12, which in the government world is it's a relatively established, you know, rank, you're supposed to have some sort of voice in your job. You're the subject matter expert. And I kept getting shut down and it bothered the hell out of me. 
and you know, I'm only making 80,000 less, just under 80,000 a year. I go to this house, this lady, she calls me at nine o'clock in the morning. I pick up the phone. I was on my way from one building to another. So it was like the chance that this happened timing wise for me to pick up live was, was impeccable because it was a 30 second walk, right? From a secure building to a secure building. The only time I would have had my phone on me, she calls and I'm halfway through the parking lot. I pick up. And she goes, hi, is this Tyler? And I was like, yeah, you know, how can I help you or whatever? And she's like, yeah, uh, my son died last night. She didn't even leave. That's what she led with. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Is everything okay? And she goes, no, not at all. I was like, well, again, I'm sorry to hear that. And she goes, <laughs> she goes, I have this property. I need to sell it right now. I was like, okay, is there anything else maybe we need that maybe you need help with when it comes to with your son and everything? I know you got this property, but is there, I wanted to make sure she wasn't like, just because of this emotional state, she wasn't just making his big decisions right. or whatever. But anyway, right. it turned out this property was 560 square feet, had 18 people living in it. And I had to get them all evicted, yada, yada, yada. Fast forward, you know, I made $30,000 on the deal and when I went to go meet her uh, after the closing, she gave me a hug. She said, I hope you make a million dollars off that property. You know, thank you so much. Her husband was in dialysis weekly. There was so much stuff going on. This problem, these 18 people who were taking advantage of her son at the time, you know, are no longer part of that. She can focus on her husband in the last moments they have together rather than this property. And I was being hugged for making 30 grand. And that feeling, that moment is when I realized that like wealth is a few things. It's emotional state, but it's also a financial state. And that transaction gave me both. My day job was maybe giving me half of one of those. Mm. And so the next day I went in and I quit. So that's really when I had that like true actual emotional feeling. And I kind of got addicted to that feeling of trying to find those people basically. That's awesome. When you talk about, as you started to see success, you started to have some other ideas and thoughts creep into your mind that weren't successful, right? You started to feel as though you weren't reaching your full potential. Yeah. What, what were some of those ideas that started creeping in? Oh man. You know, you start being in rooms with other people who are way more successful than you. Right. And you start seeing like, they're making a bunch, like, what are they doing differently? They're doing the same exact thing, but they're making more money. Like, how come you're not as successful as them as a man? How come like that man is providing more for their family than, than I am you start, you know, wanting to spend money, right? After you've removed your debt, you start wanting to buy things and even though you don't need them. And because you don't have basically F off money, you know, where you can just buy stuff for no reason, right? You know, then that starts making it feel like you're not successful enough because you don't have money, you're just willing to spend. But at the same time, I just continue to try to hold myself back and say, like, everybody's at their own pace. Like, this is a journey. Stop thinking about the end destination and start really enjoying the process. And once I started really focusing on that process, right, just the process of me becoming a better me every day, the process of the business becoming stronger every single day, the process of getting the bank account to having a quarter worth of revenue so that we can do monthly distributions, you know, all the, the process of building it, right? The process of making sure my household is taken in order. So I'm not stressing about my household, but now I can really focus on the process of making me better, making the companies better. And ultimately that really kind of made it to where I no longer thought about those thoughts anymore. Instead, whenever I'm meeting somebody who is more already, you know, where I want to be, my thought isn't like, why am I not like them? It's like, you know, it just changes the tonality of the conversation I'm having with this person. There's no resentment there. There's nothing there. Like I'm wanting to feed into them everything that I might know that they don't know. And then it, so it's just different, you know, it's kind of weird because you can't really, it's hard to put like the feelings into words and kind of how that is, but yeah. 
I like it. I like it. That's a great explanation. And I'm glad we're able to kind of walk through that mental process that you had, because I'm sure that it's something that a lot of people have and will go through. So yeah, I appreciate that openness and that vulnerability. That's awesome. As you kind of progressed through your journey, you started literally writing code because you were trying to solve your own problems. And then you decided or discovered or somebody told you, Tyler, it's a must, but you came with this idea one day, maybe it was your wife and you're just like, I can, and I don't know if it's from a profitability standpoint, but I can help other people clean their lists, list stack, you know, market to their sellers. I can help other people do this through these systems and processes I've already built up for my own business. When did you have that idea? So it was actually uh, really good friends of mine, uh, Armani Johnson and Jordan Morgan. One's in, out, of, out of the Dallas market. The other one's out of uh, Philly market or Delaware, technically. Lancaster, I think, or something. No, that's PA. Either way, we met at a, at a mastermind and, you know, kind of hit it off pretty quickly in terms of like our mindsets and our personalities. And I told him kind of what I was doing in my business. Like, hey, I mean, you guys are spending this money on skip tracing and stuff. Are you guys cleaning that stuff first? And like, no, what is that? And then I realized that no one even started knowing about that because everyone, when I stood on get my presentation, were like super confused, right? It's a problem we have even now explaining it. And so they're like, man, it'd be awesome if like we can have that. So I gave them the URL and they used it. They started getting success. I'm like, dude, you should like turn this into something. Cause I was like contemplating and debating it. I decided to do that. So we kind of made a little bit more of it. I did some YouTube videos on it and like ended up pre-selling 50 customers before the product even started. And I was like, okay, so this is something that people really truly want. So since then, you know, over, you know, thousands of people have been through it and in tons of, you know, use cases. And now we just kind of continue to build the product based off of what people need in their business, really replicating mine over time, because the product was going to continue being a product. I was building it for me only. Right. And I didn't plan on actually even pre-selling anybody. I just wanted to like continue just like I did the, you know, web URL for my VA. I wanted a place where all my business can be centralized. I was even doing the same thing to be able to sell my products until I found out about Carrot. And I was like, okay, I was just wasting a bunch of money because Carrot already had the process for me. So I just wanted to duplicate my process and I did. And then turns out no one else knew about it. And not really sure how everything transpired because it all happened so organically. But it was really those two gentlemen that kind of made me, I was having one of those moments, kind of what we just talked about, like, okay, like, I don't know if I want to tackle this because I don't know if I'm really ready to tackle this kind of project. I don't have the money to do it, you know, yada, yada. So and I'm closing a deal, um, a relatively larger deal. It was like 55 grand or something like that. And I took $30,000 of it and I started REI Sift, you know, I hired a developer and started building out the first parts of it and then kind of just started continuing to happen. Best decision I probably ever, I know it's the best decision I've ever made in my life besides marrying my wife, but yeah. So when you think about like your real estate business and then REI Sift, like you complete, you consider those two different businesses, but you feel as though when you created and built REI Sift, that was the best decision that you ever made because of what the impact that like yeah, exactly, man. It's like, it's given me the capability to turn my real estate company instead of feeling like a company, it feels like a game, right? Because I already knew my process, right? I already had everything mapped out. So building the software company was just a matter of continuing to take my company and automate it more and more being greedy. Essentially, I was just being greedy. I was like, cool, these people can pay me to use my software. That means to where I don't have to spend money to build the software. They're basically paying for the developers. I was okay with breaking even if I had to, because they're basically just building out the processes for my own business to automate it, you know? And then it's, it turned into like, okay, well, after a certain amount of users, I can no longer build it based off what I don't want. I have to build it based off of their needs. So it continued to develop, develop, develop. And, and then I started to learn like, okay, cool. Now that we're at this stage in this business, 
technology is my always been my aspirations and dreams anyway. So why don't I just do a lateral move and make it my primary thing and then use my real estate as essentially that credibility factor to show that it works. So now my real estate company is essentially the place where it's like the guinea pig for the things that I do for my users, right? I try out new things, I do things, and then we build, you know, proof of concepts to build in and bake in the product. And then we build education around it so that users, especially newer micro SMB, get to learn how to do this business. Give me an example of something that you were the guinea pig for that you tried out before you uh, had your users try it out and you saw success and it was just like, oh my goodness, this is really dope. Give me an example of that. So one example would be we added the ability and we changed kind of like our upload process to handle owners as a the contact, right? Our logic is no different than any other platform instead of focusing on the platform outside of real estate, the owner owns properties. So if an owner owns multiple properties, it's attached to the owner rather than just having, you know, 10 properties. It's like, okay, you have one owner that owns 10 properties, right? It's a difference in thought. So if you were to upload phone numbers to one of those properties, rather than uploading to the property, well, it uploads to the owner, right? So the owner becomes a contact. So what I realized is I was doing a lot of skip tracing, but anytime I'd skip trace, I'd always skip trace like the same mailing address and owner like multiple times. So I'd have to go into Google Sheets and I'd have to like split it. So I only skip trace them once and then I'd have to merge it. It was a pain in the butt. So then we built it out so we can skip trace and I selected all the data in my account and just did a big skip trace. And we had like 200,000 properties in there, but only, I think it was like 120,000 properties or owners rather. So there was like 80,000 owners that own multiple properties. So, you know, it, it saves so much money. So that was one, one of the things. The next kind of, you know, case would be like with direct mail. I, I kind of thought of this process of how can I save as much money and hit everybody that I need in like a sequential marketing way. So I started focusing on direct mailing the no numbers, which I've had always done. But instead of just doing it straight up for all direct numbers, I focused it on hitting more based off of this segmentation kind of process. So we call it stacked, vacant, ouchies, and equity. And so I just started direct mailing based off that order. In end of 2018, I told, I, it's like we're rolling in 2019 and I said, hey, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do this process. This is what I'm gonna focus on in Q1. I'm gonna document everything. And then at the end of Q1, I'm gonna show you guys my results so that you guys can implement. I did that and I ended up spending like, like $2,500 in direct mail, but I made like 250K. And so I had really amazing returns. So then I said, okay, so this is exactly what you guys need to do now. Use REI SIF, do this, do that, do this. Here's the you know KPI tracking Google sheet that I made for it, implement. And so they started implementing. We had users mailing like owners that own multiple properties and locking up for one postcard, locking up 10 properties. We had one user who locked up 60 properties. He kept one of the properties for himself free and clear because he wholesaled the others, other 59, kept the one for free and rented it for $1,300 a month. So that was an $180,000 property he got for absolutely free plus the $1,300 a month. How do you put a value of ROI on that? It's basically impossible. But like, you know, he had just had a kid. He was 23. Like, like so, so that's like another example. And that's like you said, the impact that I can have working with thousands of people rather than, you know, me just helping one or two sellers automate the selling business, the real estate business, but focus solely on a user base and continue to grow and scale. And then they talk about other people and then they have impact. So it's kind of just like a cascading effect. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like it's something that it doesn't matter who you are, what type of list you have, what strategy you're pursuing. If you can utilize the software, you will save money. Is yeah, that a fair yeah, assessment? Yeah, 100%. 
Yeah, if you have one list, right, no matter what data you have, you would need to, you would segment your, it. like, for example, if like you have, let's say you have like five properties, right? Four of those, let's say three of those properties are out in the middle of nowhere, but two of those properties are in like the hottest zip codes, right? So you would want to focus on those way more than you focus on the other three. If you had one property address that you know, like you had an idea they wanted to sell, you'd probably cold call them. You'd probably, you know, reach out to their siblings. You might even door knock them. You go through all these different things to get a hold of that one owner. But when you have like 10,000 records, you start sacrificing and say, okay, well, I'm just going to hit everybody. But what you really need to be doing is doing whatever you would do to reach one person. You have to do multiplied by 10,000, but nobody really has a process to do that. So that's kind of what we built was that process. So it doesn't matter if it's high equity. It doesn't matter if you have multiple lists or not, because list stacking is simply just a, an additional kind of thing that organically happens through data management the right way. But you can have one because even if so, even if you have like a 10,000 high equity, it's going to get checked for a vacancy in REISF. So you're going to then have a vacancy list. Then you can have out of state vacant. You can create these different criteria in your business that you want to focus on before you focus on other stuff. But as you build in more lists and everything else, you know, there's a lot more records. And then you want to make sure you're focusing on the hottest prospects first, make sure your marketing dollars go the right way. If you're skip tracing and you have 10 phone numbers, only one of them is probably right. So what are you doing with the other nine? You might cold call through them first, but if you get wrong numbers, you know, how are you handling not SMSing those wrong numbers then next time? Because a lot of people just buy a list and they'll SMS through it and they'll be like, okay, that didn't work. They'll go RVM through it. But you know, all the responses they got back, they don't even do anything with that. They just send the same list over to the RVM. So if you had nine wrong phone numbers and one right phone number, you just nine time extra spent on your RVM campaign. But people don't really think about that because they're only thinking about who they are reaching, how many people they're trying to reach rather than think about who they're not reaching, which is really the ultimate key in marketing is who you're not reaching, not who you are. Everybody else knows who they are reaching. It's easy. You're talking to them on the phone, but who you're not reaching is generally where all the money's at, you know? I love it. I love it. I love it. So man, I have a lot more questions, but I know we have a very limited time. So we may have to bring you back on, but ultimately it sounds like it's a software made in heaven. And I just think about how many investors can benefit from the software. So we've created a, an affiliate link over at before the millions.com forward slash S I F T forward slash SIFT. And can you just give me a, a quick rundown from beginning to end, Tyler, from a top level overview, 30,000 view of what's entailed in the software? Because we've talked about bits and pieces of it. We've talked about list stacking. We've talked about skip tracing. We've talked about really just filtering your list. But succinctly, what is the purpose of your software? The purpose of the software is to close more deals and cut marketing costs, right? It's to turn more prospects to leads and turn more leads to money in your bank account. Not more leads to contracts, but more leads to money because leads to contracts doesn't matter because you can might have five contracts and never make any money. So that's really the ultimate goal, right? So there's the product itself. You can upload data, you can assign it to, you know, certain data to other users. You can set the statuses to leads. It's really CRM and a data management tool designed, you know, to create system. The easiest way to summarize it in one sentence is we are the system for systems in your business, right? If you don't have REI system, there's a huge chance that you don't have all the systems in your business that should be happening and triggering to not lose money. So it's all about closing more deals, cutting marketing costs, increasing net profits in the end of the day. Like we really follow the profit first model extremely well, which we'll talk about at the end of this uh, probably, but it's like, 
you need, if you're bringing data into your company, or if you're trying to generate leads, REISF integrates with cold calling platforms. We have a full Zapier integration. We have direct mail launching through ballpoint marketing as well at the end of this month, as well as postcards. I mean, it's, we're building it out to be the ultimate tool. If you've ever heard of HubSpot or Salesforce, we want to be the HubSpot and Salesforce of the real estate industry. When you are marketing to existing investors, right? Investors who have systems and processes in place. So for instance, you know, we use FreedomSoft, right? And you think about what you guys are providing, like, you know, again, I'm thinking about selfishly myself, right? I know a lot right. of, uh, you know, you have half the listeners who are just about to get started. And it's always interesting to see the types of tools people get started with and the people who, who have been doing the business for a while, the tools they stick to and the tools they start adapting to. But ultimately you have people who are in the business and you're just like, all right, well, how does this make sense in my business, right? And obviously if you're in the business, not all of the things that your software does are the things that you know somebody like me would need, right? Because I have tools and systems for some of those other things. So I'm just like, when you're talking to an existing investor, how do you, I guess, let's, I, I'll use myself for an example. Again, when we pull our lists, we have a process for pulling our list, right? We upload everything inside of FreedomSoft. We keep track of everything inside of FreedomSoft. So I'm looking yep. at the values of what you're offering and I'm trying to pinpoint the different things that could possibly help me knowing that most of the things are things that we already do, right? So right. when I look at those things, I look at list stacking, right? I love list. I love the, the fact that you guys are able to list stack and even from an owner's point of view, what you guys are able to do with the owner's contact as opposed to the property address like that. I think that we have something similar inside of FreedomSoft. I'm just not sure how, like my VAs do that. So I'm not sure how that's all the way done. But also on PropStream, as soon as the list automator came out earlier this year, we had Alicio, the, the PropStream uh, technical guy, he came on, he put it in all my courses, how to use list automator. So we use yep. list automator. So I'm just like, with those two things specifically, I know that we have that covered, but again, there are certain things that I'm just hearing these little nuances. I was like, well, that sounds cool. I want to try that. That sounds cool. I want to try that. When you get into your software, how do I kind of navigate through how I should add certain small integrations of what you have going on into my already existing business? Yeah. So there's a few different things there, right? It's the concept of intaking new data and managing campaigns, right? For the example with FreedomSoft, and of course I love the, actually the founder of FreedomSoft is in one of my masterminds. So it's a great product, but you know, for in that example, if in, you're in FreedomSoft, like there's no way to know who is exhausted. There's no way to know out of all the people you're marketing to, which records have you marketed to X amount of times and all phone numbers are wrong phone numbers, right? So there's like checks and bounces that I believe you need to have inside of a business, right? The list automator, when they came out with list automator at PropStream, a lot of people say, well, I don't need REISF no more because I have list stacking over here. I'm like, well, that's not list stacking. That's list filtering. It's a difference. List automator isn't a stacker. It is a way to, to update data real time. There's a need for it, but it doesn't solve the need of your personal business's database of data. The core central thing There's two most important things in our company. It's data and it's people, right? So all of your data, no matter where it's from, needs to be centralized in one location in a way of which it's going to be able to not only just manage the records, right? But also the owners and also the phone numbers. So if you have, let's just say a hundred thousand records period, where are all of those at and at what time? If you were to filter like those records, can you filter and have the ability to say, okay, well, I want to see all of the records that I have right now that I've had on seven different campaigns and none of those campaigns have a correct number with the owner. Because if you don't, then that means that you're going to have what we call a leaky faucet. It means that there is data that you've marketed to over and over and over and over that you have not reached yet. And it needs to go somewhere else. It needs to go in an SMS campaign. It needs to go, you know, something that is going to benefit your business. 
And in terms of like the intake of data, if you were to have, I'm a huge proponent in owning your data. Like I don't really like giving my data away to something else to tell me if it's right or wrong. So in the case of like the list automator, we have a lot of users who utilize it to fix, like populate information. But a lot of them were starting to use it to pull MLS data. And I said, you know, that's cool and all, but why don't you just get MLS data from the MLS, you know? And they're like, well, because then I have to do this, that, and the other. I'm like, so what you're saying is you don't want to build a relationship with an agent locally. You don't want to become an agent and add that thing to you. So you don't want to build your business is what you're telling me. So instead, with most of our users, they finally do that. They build a relationship with an agent and they pull down all the solds, all the listings and all that stuff. And they update their data monthly and they add that process. Now you have the most accurate, there's no way it couldn't be any more accurate. I believe that especially with your county data, get as much county data as possible because if you get county data directly from the county, even your high equity, if you can get, if you can download every single parcel address in your market, then you should do that, not buy it because all data is pinpoints. Like, okay, mailing address, property address, first and last name, everything else outside of that is just additional insight, right? And all we got to do is get that data in there and then sequentially market through it, know who we need to market to. But really like I have 370,000 records in my account. I only market to a hundred of them at a time, right? And we pull out our average deal size is like 47 or 53,000 or something like that. I forget what it's at right now, but it's, it's relatively larger than most people. We have you know, three $75,000 wholesale deals right now. Like it's because the people that we're talking to, we have a user just messaged me. He goes, Hey man, I, I hate to tell you this, but I, my $83,500 wholesale deal is now 78,500. I'm like, they're still doing okay. Don't worry, man. <laughs> um, he gets them all the time because he knows who he's not reaching. It's one thing to be able to market to people and upload to a product where it's kind of churning through your data. Like REI replies are really huge product people are using right now for that as well. Similar to kind of how freedom soft kind of functions in that respect, but none of those pluck out and say, okay, well, here's all the people that you need to move somewhere else. They don't centrally make sure that marketing campaigns that are going over here, bolster the marketing campaigns that are going over here. If you're going to go from cold calling to SMSing. There needs to be a way, like they should help each other, right? SMS should not be another way to hit people. It should be the way to an additional attempt to, to reach somebody. Same thing with RVMs and, and cold calling. So it just has to be a sequence on it. REISF is kind of that sequence, but we have some users who literally just use it for vacancy check and that's it. You know, they upload data, the vacancy checks it, and it's just doing that month over month. They use it because you can see how many records have been vacant for three months, four months, five months, as long as they're sitting in the account, we can check it. It's just like an organization thing. It's the thing that makes it to where you no longer feel once you get over the hurdle of implementing it, if you have a lot of data already, but you're confident where if you get a call or you see a deal, right? You see like, a, let's say you, you see a deal coming over from another wholesaler through your inbox and it's one, two, three main street, right? You search one, two, three main street in your account. And you're like, oh, wow, wait, hold on a second. I've cold called this person four times. I've also direct mailed it. You click on the record and you see that none of your phone numbers are tagged. Okay. Well, why is not that? If I cold called it three times, I know I called through the whole list. Why don't I have any tags on any of my phone numbers? You then go to your dialer, you search the phone number in the dialer and you see, oh, wow, this whole time, this dialer has been hitting this phone number. And all of these are dead phone numbers. So I've been hitting this person. I've thought I've been trying to hit this person, I should say. 
and I haven't even reached them. So what that means is that if you can find that answer sooner, like the other person did, then you could have got that deal. We call those leaky faucets. If after every campaign, this should be happening and you would be able to see there's a leaky faucet in your business so that you can tighten it up. Maybe you got a reskip trace in the location. You do deep prospecting, which is what we teach. So it's really just a system for systems, right? It's the process of marketing. You can use whatever CRM you want. You can use whatever data you want. You can skip trace in other locations, upload and be able to track when. Another example, if you had something you skip trace 367 days ago, you click on the record and you know you've been cold calling them, right? They're on multiple lists and you see there's no phone number tags. Well, what the hell's happened? I skip trace this 375 days ago and have I hit them yet? Have I not? So it's just, it allows you to reverse engineer the things that are going on in your business. It focuses on, on making sure that we're not losing on opportunity costs and we're also saving money and we're focusing on systems first, net profit and the, the process of doing so. So it can be overwhelming. It really no, can be. I think you explained it super succinctly. I, I'm glad I asked that question, especially for experienced investors, because I now get it. I understand its value. And if we're going to continue a little bit more with a little bit of more of my personal onboarding. So... so <laughs> I guess, uh, and I totally understand what you mean from a freedom soft standpoint, because there's no way you could actually filter for the leads that you haven't contacted because you have bad phone numbers. I get that. And I viscerally understand that. So as far as onboarding goes, like, what does that process look like if you already have a CRM? And again, I know you're using Zapier for a lot of things. Is this where Zapier comes in? Because you want to make sure that you're not logged into REI stuff to update statuses. I mean, you're already doing that. So is that where Zapier comes into play? No, actually. So there's actually a piece between that. So think of REI stuff in that scenario. I mean, I'm really trying to get more people. We have a lot of features coming out that will make people solely use REI stuff as their CRM, like pretty confident about that. But in general, if someone's going to use something else, right? REI SIF would be the marriage in between. It kind of fits like this. You have your data, you have REI SIF, right? Mm -hmm. You get it in there, you get your clean data, you skip trace. You can do that in REI SIF, you can export skip trace somewhere else. I highly believe in at least having at least two to three different skip trace sources you rely on. It's a whole process. How, how much do you guys charge for skip tracing? Up from 17 down to 12 cents. So our business plans are 12 cents, our essentials plans are 17 cents, our professional plans are 15 cents. In addition to that, we cross-reference all owners, right? So you have the whole money saved from the whole cross-referencing. Make sure you're not re-skip tracing. So then you have your skip trace, right? If you skip trace it elsewhere, then you're going to upload that and add those phone numbers to your properties. Now you have a decision. It's like, okay, now what do I do? I skip traced. Before I skip trace, I filtered down and I made sure that I only skip trace the stuff that I should be. See, another example would be like, if you have 10,000 records, out of those 10,000, maybe 700 of them are vacant. And you only have $100 to spend on skip tracing. What most people do is they skip trace the first 100 properties, right? But it could be the 9,455th one that's vacant. And that's the one you should have skip traced because that's the hottest prospect that you could have had out of the 10,000. So you want to prioritize and make sure you have insight on where you want to spend those marketing dollars, right? After we do that, we skip trace, we got data back in there, we have phone numbers. At this point, now we got to market. If you're using call tools on our professional plan, you can send your data right into call tools without having to do anything. We're doing the same thing with Zen Call. We are integrating with a bunch of click-to-call platforms like AirCall, Kixi, and a bunch of others. Uh, we have a SIF dialer coming out, which is really a process, not actually a dialer. I leave that to the people that are really good at that. With that being said, now we're uploading to a, a marketing. Now we're marketing, right? We're cold calling. We're doing SMS, whatever. This is where REI SIF would then be updated. For every conversation that's picked up, REI SIF needs to be updated. Oh, it's a wrong phone number. I disposition the call. 
Zapier updates or you physically update, or if it's an integration, like like connector with Zen call or call tools, when you do the disposition, it'll just automatically update. So you don't have to pay for Zapier. So that's when that's happening. If it was a lead, you should update status and turn the phone number to correct phone number, right? So status is lead, correct phone number. Now we finish that marketing campaign. Because we're integrating probably our marketing with our CRM, that's updating. It has leads. Now, REICIF is updated from the data perspective. Now we go back in. We say, okay, I want to redo another campaign. So we say, well, I want to hit the same people again for a second time, but I also might have intaked new data into my company. So we have like our first attempts. Now we have our second attempts. So we filter out. We can create a preset to where we say, okay, don't include anything that's, you know, lead status, not interested status, whatever select all that data. And now when we export this time, we say, I only want records that have untagged numbers because if it's tagged, that means it's either correct number, DNC, wrong number, or dead. It's one of those four. So we only want the numbers we didn't reach yet. Send those back to our dialer, go through it again. And we're kind of churning through this after we reach, you know, fourth attempt, fifth attempt. Now we have another preset that's already there. You just create the preset and say, okay, anything that's been attempted to call five times and it has no tag phone numbers, the phone numbers are mobile phone numbers. We name a preset called stage for SMS. It's like, okay, I click that once a month. Boom. There's all the records that I'm going to go ahead and SMS because I know I've already cold called them through five times and they don't have a tag on them. So I'm going to SMS them. You do that three times through SMS. You're like, okay, cool. Well, now I didn't reach these people and these are all stacked and vacant records or whatever. Now I have another preset stage for direct mail. That means they've been SMS three times. They've been cold called three times. And I still don't have any contact. Don't have a lead and they're not, you know, phone numbers aren't tagged. All those records, boom, now I start sending direct mail to them. And that's my long-term nurture. But out of those records, there could be people who I know for certain they need to sell, right? It could be going to tax auction soon. That's when deep prospecting comes in. Deep prospecting is where we start researching the siblings, the mothers, the daughters, the sisters. We send a postcard to them. And a lot of times we just had a user who locked up a $65,000 deal. We did a ninja cast with them on our YouTube and the seller didn't even know he owned the property. He's like, I didn't even realize that was mine. No one else has been reaching them. I just locked up a contract up in Crestview, Florida here. It's a $75,000 deal through email. And I've been trying to reach them for a year. We've even done deep prospecting, but what we didn't do, which is my, our mess up, again, fixing processes through reverse engineering is she was been in jail for the last year. She got arrested last May. And so that's why we haven't been able to reach her through her phone or anything else. If we would have checked normally where we would check locally to see if someone was incarcerated, we would have had that answer, but we didn't until later on a year later, we found that out by then she'd actually, we messaged her on JPay. She was actually on our way out to go to rehab now. And so she was in rehab. We sent her a message on JPay. Apparently they do a forwarding or something to wherever she went to. She responded What's back to us. Huh? What's JPay? JPay is like the email connection platform for in prison. It's like jail something or rather. Got it, got it. Yeah, so she was like, hey, she submitted the website, the property on our website. She's like, I know you've been trying to reach me or whatever. And six hours later, we had the contract signed or whatever. We've been trying to reach her for a long time. We messed up and didn't do the proper deprospecting, but she would have never been reached any other way, right? Like that's a $75,000 deal. If you do that for at least 10% of the people that you're marketing to right now, you're going to kick up more deals, right? It's about the process of it. And that's kind of what it's about. So update your data real time, schedule and build your marketing campaigns based off of not only your leads, but also the phone numbers and everything else. Because if you don't start doing that, either really when you first start in, in investing or, you know, when you're already marketing, 
you will pay for that insight to gain it back. Like everybody's experienced the moment where their downloads folder or their computer or their phone, like memory or, or whatever gets full. So you just go to your downloads. You Instead of like organizing it and putting it where it should be, you just like select it all and either drag everything into an old folder and upload it to Google Drive or somewhere else, or you just delete everything, right? And then you come like two or three months later and like, man, I swear I had this in my downloads folder. And you remember, oh yeah, I deleted everything. Like that happens in our business. The difference between that scenario and our business is like, we've already spent the money, right? So if we start tracking it right away, over time, our data becomes more valuable to us. No different than any other industry, any other big business. The only reason Sears, when it went out of business, actually made money is because they had 15 or 20 years of clients and information about them for someone to buy. You know, so I look at it like that. I don't look at it like the month by month. I look at it like, okay, in five years from now, imagine how valuable my database is, how much information and insight I have, how many people I haven't reached that are now going into situations. The same thing. If someone buys a property, like if you, if, if someone's, if a property sells, that record isn't bad. It just means that it's a prospect in three years from now. Right. Right. So we keep it. And then in three years from now, we remarket to it. Yeah, man. I've, I've been able to viscerally think about some of the unmarketed to leads as like this black hole, this entire episode. And I think a lot of listeners have as well. So this has been super helpful, Tyler. Again, if you guys yep. want, you guys doing a free trial? Yeah, there's a seven day free trial. Okay, yeah. yeah. If you guys want access to that seven day free trial, that link again is before the millions.com forward slash S-I-F-T. I'm going to go back and listen to this episode a few times as well. There was so much knowledge dropped in there. I can only imagine that there has to be uh, some really, really good tutorials that you guys have inside of the software as well, right? Yeah, there's a help center. We have an auto lead gen challenge, which is basically uh, like a live challenge that we go through and cover business processes, systems, and then we cover product and everything I just talked about. We have a go, no go challenge. Like we have a community of really amazing individuals that help people out. If someone isn't successful after starting REISIF, then really it's a self-driven issue. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. Whew, so much. And I, I was just like, man, there was, I wanted to get to a whole segment about VAs, but we're way over time. Now that football season is over, Sundays are for live trainings. So if you are a newbie real estate investor and you want to create larger paydays in your business, I got you. If you want to generate the kind of income that home flippers do without all of the time rehabbing the home, the money, the materials, the managing, the labor, and the enormous risk in the market, you've come to the right place. If you want to significantly boost your deal flow, then I got you. If you want to make competitive offers while remaining profitable, I too have you. Many wholesalers and investors get a bad rep for making lowball offers, but you'll be able to make competitive offers that serve the seller while putting profits in your pocket. Look, if you want to generate consistent, reliable cash flow, again, I have you. Because this is the key to leaving your W-2 day job and creating the lifestyle freedom that you know you can create. So look, most of the things we offer here at Before the Millions, they're free. Upwards of 95% of our products, they are all free. Unless you're buying my staple course or a mentorship package, you've probably gotten started with one of our many free offerings and services. It's just the way I roll. Well, this training actually isn't any different. Now look, it costs $97 up front to register for Sunday's live three-hour training. And not only am I throwing in $2,500 worth of bonuses, for free, such as live seller calls, 
real deal case studies, templates, swipe files, and our actual contracts. But I'm also giving you a slew of pre-recorded live training, such as a five-hour training on analyzing, marketing, and closing deals with $0. Now, here's the good stuff. I'm also giving you your money back. All of it. Yep, that's right. Look, if you follow through, watch the trainings, set up your business, make your first offer in the next 60 days or less, come back and tell us about it, and I'll write you a check for $97. This is because I don't want tire kickers. I don't want people who want to remain stuck working for the man. So I'm making sure that the people that show up have skin in the game. And more importantly, they show up with a sense of urgency. Look, now is the best time to invest in real estate. Invest in yourself and your future by visiting beforethemillions.com forward slash train. That's T-R-A-I-N, beforethemillions.com forward slash train and i'll see you this upcoming sunday on our live three hour training event so we can take your real estate business to the moon before the millions.com forward slash train lifestyle design acceleration hacks what is your favorite before the millions book I would say profit. I would say, and well, because you said before the millions, that changed my answer because I sadly did not know of profit first before I was a millionaire. It came two years after. Mm. So I wish I would have known sooner. So I would say it would have to be the Go-Giver series, Go-Giver Seller to be specific. There's four books in Go-Giver series. I recommend every single one of them, but I'll give a couple bonuses here. Profit first, like you already said, but most importantly, predictive revenue. With those three books, with that series, Go-Giver, Predictable Revenue and Profit First, your whole mindset will change. I love it. I love it. I love it. My audience is good company for all of those books. So uh, yeah, the Go-Giver series is absolutely amazing. Uh, The link to all of those books will be in the show notes, ladies and gents. Question number two, what is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. So I use Notion. Notion, I don't know if it's .com or whatever, but Google Notion, it's an amazing platform. We use it for everything in our business. So it's the whole backend operations, everything. But what we've done for every one of the people in our companies as well is we've, everybody has a journal in there. It's like a journal profile. And I click on journal and it's not just my things I need to do in my business. It's actually my day. It's my life. So we have my morning routine in there. We have the task I have for the day. We have my evening routine. So I have the app on my phone. I can show, I don't know. I think this is all audio probably, but in top right corner of my phone, there's a, uh, I made one of those grid ones. It says Tyler's journal. I click on that. I click on the day and I see exactly what I need to do. Uh, so that's probably my biggest, the biggest thing that's made a biggest impact in, for me this year. I love that. Absolutely. And that will definitely be in the show notes as well. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? Oh, man. I mean, I love that I'm in the CEO role now fully. I love that my real estate company is fully you know, automated. I've spent maybe one or two hours a week in it, and that's just to make bigger decisions. I love that I can spend more time with users now. My wife is able to leave the military. I have a baby on the way June 30th. I've had a lot of things right. that as far as my lifestyle is, thank you. But it all came down to me believing in myself. So I think that's kind of like my biggest takeaway over the last five years is, is just full-heartedly, you know, give in to yourself and build the processes to, to be where you want to be. And I'm not there yet, 
like by the end of this year, I hope to where my lifestyle design is more efficient, but I've, we've really been held down with my wife still being active duty. So just the fact that she gets to now leave and come in and work for my companies and make more than she did in the military makes me really happy. That's awesome. And That's also, it's awesome. also, it's a cheat code because now the company gets to pay the household and really it's actually, yeah, so it's kind yeah. of nice. I love that. I love that. Absolutely. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? That's a good question. I need to add that one to uh, my ATP podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's steal that now. I'm just kidding. Man, so I used to tell my wife that, yeah, when she would complain, it's like, you go, you travel, you know, 50% of the year, you're gone like a month at a time, and you come back, and all you do is you work. And I said, I used to say, well, I'm doing it for us. Like, I want us to be able to have this, that, or the other. What I learned is that that was a total lie. I was BSing it the whole time, trying to make me justify to her why I was doing what I was doing. Ultimately, it was for all me, right? It's, it's all self-driven greed, because we could be just as happy if we weren't wealthy as if we were, if we had the right things. So the sacrifices, yeah. So time, right? Uh, time was the biggest sacrifice. My excuse for it, though, on why I was putting the time in was wrong. So. Uh, what I ended up doing is I ended up telling my wife, listen, after a few while, a while, I was like, listen, I'll be honest with you. The reason I am doing all this is really realistically because I feel like I wouldn't be the best me for you or my family if I wasn't, whether you want me to be or not. Like, I'll be the best me if I do this. And once I did that, it was no longer a sacrifice anymore because she understood. I felt like it was a sacrifice, but it really wasn't because I felt like it was a sacrifice because she wasn't on the same page as me. Wow. Um, once we were on the same page and we're both towards the same mission, it was now something totally different. Oh, who knew that would have been the best piece of advice on the show? That's awesome. <laughs> who was essential yeah. to your growth before the millions and why? My wife, a hundred thousand percent. My wife and then my daughter, because I mean, there's a moment there where like, and there's another reason for my drive, you know, she was active duty. I was like basically making no money and, you know, she had to pick up the bills while she was working and it took probably about, you know, a little while because I wasn't never taking any money. I might've made $250,000 in that quarter, but I didn't take any for myself. Right. I just continued to build the businesses. So with her being able to take down the fort and like, I would, I definitely wouldn't be as far along as we are now. For sure. Last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions? Mm, good one. So for me, it was when I stopped thinking that making money was a difficult thing. I started looking at money as a, a metric of it's kind of like filling the plate. Like if you go, go to like a buffet and you're kind of walking around, you, you know, you want to continue to pile it up. And by the time you're done, you have a whole bunch of food and you take it back and then you scarf it all down and you go, go it again. But slowly but surely you start adding less and less to the plate as you continue to go up. I reverse engineer the process, right? And I say, okay, initially you start with a little bit of food on the plate and you continue to stack more on, but it's just as easy to continue to put more food on the plate. The difference is, is that your stomach is telling you you don't need any more. I just remove all that metric and say, okay, well, if you want to continue to get more wealthy, it's just a matter of just continuing to do the same things and not getting full, right? So uh, it was when I realized that like to make a $2 is just doing the same thing I made to make $1 and just repeating that process over and over and over and over. I was limiting myself early on because I thought that, you know, a million dollars was a lot of money and it's really not. Right. So that's, I guess that's it. Yeah. It's, it's when I had the, when I made, when my relationship with money changed is when things changed, you know, like a dollar is just a piece of paper. What are your plans, if you have any, for implementing Facebook ads for REI SIFT? Like, so 
Our ISIF is really the goal is to be really, really integration heavy, right? So we do have the plans to add the ability to update Facebook audiences based off of tags and things inside of REISIF. Right now we're working on a uh, what's called an event system and just the date that it's 4-8-2021 right now. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if you normally date your episodes, but now you guys know. And so our goal by the end of Q2 is to have probably bleed into Q3 to have an event system built in. So that means when something happens to a record, you can do something with it much like email drip sequences and stuff like that in order to do facebook ad audiences updates and build that in to where you can build campaigns internally you have to have that so it's on our radar it's just a matter of facebook is really difficult to get approved for ad for like being an app for facebook so it's a process i would hope that it would be done by the end of this year but i can't really make any guarantees Okay, so I just want to say that that's crazy. That's not at all the question that I asked, but I'm glad that you answered that. Oh, really? That's, that's super, super dope and super awesome. And I know that a lot of people will be looking forward to that. Um, but what I actually meant was from a marketing aspect for our oh. as far as uh, marketing to your users. Are you? Do you have oh, am I using place? Facebook? Right. Yeah, I am. I am using Facebook right now. I spend about 5000 a month in Facebook right now in REI Sift. I'm yeah. not getting any retargeting ads. Normally after I leave a website, I, I, I start getting followed everywhere. Are you already, are you a user? I'm not. That's the only reason I asked, I was like, profit potential? Yeah, it's probably because we only push for the auto lead gen challenge. So you probably haven't been in the right place at the right time. We try not to be annoying on Facebook. We are using Facebook ads though. Okay. We hit it probably, I don't know, like 100,000 people a month roughly on Facebook. The return though, for those that are curious, like we might spend $5,000, but we only might make like $3,000 from it. So with SaaS products- it's On the front end. On the front end, yeah, exactly. On the front <laughs> end. So, so, but it's really, and it's really hard to gauge that in SaaS. So we've been playing around with it, but I'm actually about to totally stop Facebook. And I hired a full-time videographer, his name is Mason. And we're just gonna be doubling down on YouTube because that's really where most of our clientele comes from. I love it. I love it. I got to ask one of these left field oddball questions every episode just to kind of get it. a little bit of a taste. I love that. That's awesome. All right, Tyler, well, if the listeners want to learn a little bit more about you, get in contact with you, say hi, check out some of the stuff you got going on. Where can they find some of your information? Um, my IG is Tyler Austin original. Other than that, Facebook, uh, I think is the same thing for the URL, but if you search Tyler Austin, you'll find it. But if you just put my name, Tyler Austin in Google, like you'll probably find more than I'd like you to know about me there. Um, there is another baseball player who is ranked in Google, but I'm, I'm thinking I'm finally taking him over. But other, <laughs> other than that, I have other podcasts, real estate disruptors. You can watch my episode there, carrot.com. You know, I got a podcast there. So uh, you probably just listen to the podcast that I'm on. I also have a podcast, Allies to Prosperity. It has a lot of my viewpoints really similar to this podcast in terms of like the what we're looking to get out of people. And then, uh, you know, my YouTube channel, and uh, you search Tyler Austin on YouTube. I'm pretty much everywhere if you want to find out about me. I've even actually accidentally done a course about finding people. And I don't know why this was in my brain, but I was like, you know what? I'll just show people by finding myself. So there's like, I get a stupid amount of people that hit me up just because I accidentally put all my information out there. So. I love it. I love it. I love it. It makes it super easy. And we'll have links to everything that Tyler discussed in the show notes, ladies and gents. Tyler, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for adding so much value to myself and my listeners. And we will talk to you very, very soon.